errors, injuries, big plays, all kinds of things went against the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday as they hosted the Los Angeles Chargers and unfortunately came up short 41-22 in a loss that greatly affects the AFC playoff picture. A lot to play out as the rest of Sunday unfolds. The Bengals, as we record live here on Sunday afternoon, early evening for some of you, are still in a wild card spot. The Ravens and Steelers are currently playing. We've got some other AFC teams to play, but uh, this was this was a hard game to digest. If you are a Bengals fan, if you are a Cincinnati Bengals player, a coach, anybody associated with the club, this was a hard one to digest for a number of different reasons. I'm Anthony Cazenza with cincyjungle.com and the orange and black insider Bengals podcast that's the name of this podcast which is part of the cincy jungle podcast channel and of course you can get the channel on your favorite audio streamer whether that's itunes stitcher spotify google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, any of the major ones you can subscribe to the cincy jungle podcast channel where you get this show orange is the new black from ace and zim as well as coach speak and chalk talk from matt minnick and of course uh, you can get this show on our YouTube channel as well. There's a little icon. I believe it's right down here. You can click that to subscribe and then the bell as well to click and, and be notified when we go live, when new content is available and all of that good stuff. We appreciate the support shown this show. It's through thick and thin. This is depending on, uh, depending on how you look at things, this could be a a thin day, a thick day. I don't know. I don't know how you how you describe this this day. But uh, hey, look, the Cincinnati Bengals are still in the thick of things at seven and five. There are things to take away optimistically from this game. There are a lot of concerning things to take away from this game as well. If you're a Bengals fan, and I guess let's just start before we get to the box score and all of that. I guess we need to kind of start with the injuries and the Bengals suffered. They came into this game more banged up than they had ever been this year. No Trey Hopkins, no Riley reef, no Darius Phillips, no Chris Evans. Now Phillips and Evans are role players, but you lose two starting offensive linemen, one of your bookend tackles. And of course the guy who touches the ball, every single play, and Trey Hopkins, I know Hopkins hasn't played as up to form as he, you know, that we've seen last year and, and uh, you know, the year prior where he was a pretty solid presence. I know he hasn't been the same guy this year, but when you lose the guy that calls out protections, you lose the guy that touches the ball every single play that's not your quarterback, that hurts. And when you lose a tackle wherein the most successful run plays of late when, when Joe Nixon had close to 300 yards over the past two weeks, you know, a lot of those are the wide zone plays. A lot of those are the stretch plays where a lot of usage of the tackle takes place. I, I watched the game with a Chargers fan today and they were saying he was ecstatic that Riley Reef wasn't playing today because he knew listening to Chargers podcast, listening to the, the coverage of this game, et cetera. He knew that the Bengals were going to try and run outside and try and run behind the tackles and Reef not being in the game that hurt. Hopkins not being in the game, that hurt. But the Bengals still made a run at, at, at things. They made a game of it despite shooting themselves in the foot. And here we are. Um, uh, after two very impressive wins against teams that were in the playoff hunt, Raiders, 
Steelers. They come into this one and a game that you kind of feel like you kind of needed to have for a lot of different reasons, not only to maintain playoff standing, but also just feeling good about your team, making sure that you're managing success properly. And that's that's an issue. So here, here we go. Not only were those guys out today, which was, I, I think it was a little surprising in some regard because yes, they didn't practice all week, especially Reef and Hopkins. They didn't practice all week, but I think, you know, there was some talk early this week that Zach Taylor said, you know, push comes to shove. We kind of felt like these guys could go if they needed to go. I kind of felt that they would have had one of those offensive linemen, maybe not both. I kind of felt that they would have had one of them. Didn't have either of them. It hurt. Okay. So you've got those injuries again, Evans, Phillips, Reef, Hopkins, Auden Tate also out. All of those, you know, guys were out of this game. Then Burrow apparently dislocates his pinky on the sack fumble early in the game. Very first drive, dislocates his pinky, affected things. T. Higgins had a horse collar tackle late in the game that rolled up his ankle. That hindered him, and you could see it late in the game. Logan Wilson, shoulder injury, carted off the field. That's probably an indication that's somewhat severe. We're waiting to get more word on that, but that's an issue. Why was he out there? I got this question a number of times on Twitter. Why was Logan Wilson out there on special teams to sustain that injury? Because Marcus Bailey, the usual linebacker who was out there on special teams, was being attended to for his own shoulder injury. And on top of that, Akeem Davis gave another linebacker is on IR. So the Bengals were shorthanded at linebacker, forcing Logan Wilson to be out there on special teams, got a shoulder injury is what, what was reported, carted off the field. So that's when you ask why Logan Wilson was out there, that their hand was kind of forced, unfortunately, at that point. Still not ideal. Probably still should have figured out another alternative there. Whatever. He's He got hurt. Marcus Bailey got hurt. We talked about Burrow. Mixon left the game for a little bit. We talked about Higgins. Mixon left the game what looked like a chest Maybe not, the wind knocked out of him, chest, shoulder type of issue, came back. So did Higgins. Awuzier left the game after the, the crazy interception that he had to help turn the game around for a brief period of time. He left the game, which I think was a foot or ankle injury. Um, and I'll, I'll, here I'll share a couple of these articles on CincyJungle.com so you can get uh, you know some, some bearings on what's going on with the the team here, here is the Bengals and their linebacker injuries. And I'll share this here again, talking about Logan Wilson and the uh, injury to Marcus Bailey. So there's that I'll, I'll put pin that in there. Uh, and then we've got the one to Joe Burrow. The one to Joe Burrow is concerning because that's probably going to linger. It was a dislocation. Um, so usually dislocations don't linger, linger, but here's the, here's the issue with it. Is there ligament damage? Is there all, do you remember Andy Dalton in the 2015 run when he hurt his thumb and you kind of go, wow, broken thumb, maybe he can come back and play well. There's all, there was surgery that was required and all kinds of different things. Usually that's, I mean, I'm not a medical expert, but when, when it's a dislocation, that's not necessarily requiring surgery or any of that sort of thing, but there's a lot of nerves, ligaments, all that kind of stuff in hands uh, that, that are there that can potentially you know, especially throwing hand, it could potentially, you know, kind of screw things up a little bit there. So that's something to monitor, but it sounds like Burroughs, you know, if you listen to the post-game presser, it sounds like he's, you know, going to continue to play through it. 
and it's not going to be an issue. It was very concerning for a while, though, because if you watch the game, you saw him throwing the ball on the sideline. And when he was warming up after that injury, it was a lot of grimacing, a lot of, you know, animated facial expressions about, you know, hey, this is this is painful, et cetera. So, you know, that's something to monitor here. I will pull up and share the Joe Burrow uh, article here on CincyJungle.com and uh, obviously things to monitor. So here's here's my takeaway before we get to a lot of the box score stuff and some other things from the press conference, because the postgame presser, I think, gave us a lot of sound bites that were very, very interesting. Here is the uh, the link here for those looking in the live chat. There was uh, here's Jermaine Huff also in the live YouTube chat saying he tried to tape it up gloves. Okay. Yeah. He was doing all kinds. I mean, there were different pairs of gloves. There were different, uh, I mean, all kinds of different things that, that Joe Burrow was trying to do to try and get some form of comfort there. And it was not comfortable credit to him because he ended up making some plays down the road, did throw an interception in the end zone, another costly one when the Bengals were mounting one kind of final comeback, the game got out of control, but had the Bengals, scored there it would have potentially been a one possession game an eight point game had they you know scored got the two point conversion etc etc here's the thing though if you look at this optimistically error after error after error yet for a good portion of this game and late into the game the cincinnati Bengals were in it it was a two-point game that's after turnovers that's over that's after sacks that's after blunders, you know, missed extra point, uh, all kinds of different plays where they shot themselves in the foot and they were they were in this game. And so I guess from an optimistic standpoint, you can say, hey, you know, go back to the track record of this entire season, the Green Bay game, the, you know, what they did to the Ravens, what they did to the Steelers twice, all kinds of what they did to the Raiders in Las Vegas. They can play with anybody. They can beat a lot of teams, most teams, but they also beat themselves a lot. And that's that's the concerning part. So you're confident in the talent in this team. You're confident in what they can do. You're confident that they'll be in most games, even when the score like today doesn't indicate how close this game really was. You're confident in that regard. However, aside from that, you're also this this game aside right i mean this was going to be a this was going to be a hard game to win this game aside short term aside the long term with these injuries p ryan was another one i didn't even talk about him he was a guy who hurt his knee you know mix in a lot of these guys returned but some of them did not so long term you're now at a critical point in the season where you need immense amounts of health on this roster to continue to be able to compete and get into the playoffs. And the last two weeks, this team, unfortunately, has gotten physically beat up. You're probably going to get Reef and Hopkins and maybe even Phillips and Evans back next week. But now you're dealing with Logan Wilson. We don't know how it uh, – when you're carted off the field, that's pretty severe. It sounded like all the all the players were you know, going over to him, et cetera. So that's not a great sign, but we'll see what happens there. Um, Awuzier, a guy who played – for the large part, outstanding today. Did let up a touchdown reception, but amazing interception and a couple of other nice plays. He's injured. You're still waiting to find out what's going on with Trey Waynes. Um, I mean, at some point, you know, now you're going to need to overcome these injuries. You can't just rely on good luck. 
And so that's front the, the game today was concerning, I guess. You know, you didn't beat a, a playoff caliber team right in front of you on your home turf. But my concern is more long term because of the health. And I feel that the roster health, aside from the pieces that they've brought in, the roster health this year has been a big reason why this Bengals team has been in the playoff picture. Because their important players have been injury free. Now here you go. You've got Joe Burrow injured. You've got Joe Mixon injured. All kinds of different injuries happening. And oh, by the way, Joe Burrow's injury occurred on a sack. Supposedly, reportedly. Uh, not, not good news. Not good news there. But we'll we'll have to monitor everything that's happening here. And of course, we will on CincyJungle.com and and uh, other outlets. So. Um, that's a little bit of some update on what's going on with the injury front on the Bengals. And really that's kind of where my concern more stems going forward here. It's not so much what we witnessed today. I think there are growing pains. We have talked about this team being a young team, uh, still a very young team. The quarterback's young. The star wide receivers are young. The, certain players on the offensive line are even, young. I mean, you go across, it's a young team. You're going to have days where you go, man, that's just a, an error you can't commit. You can't commit that error. Well, that's what happens with young teams, unfortunately, sometimes. And quite honestly, you know, the Bengals have been able to weather the storm of a lot of these errors throughout the year and or have a game like this and bounce back either one game later, two games later, whatever, and end up playing solid football. So my concerns are not so much short-term. My concerns are long-term with the injury health. And then, of course, I think the, the unfortunate thing is the narratives that are going to come out of this one, which are, can the Bengals handle success? Are they too young to handle success? Twice this year already, coming off of two, you know, a, a handful of big wins and a couple of two-game win streaks, they they lay an egg in, in these games, uh, you know, shortly after those win streaks and, and end up you know, kind of being like, oh, now they're pretenders. They're contenders now. No, they're pretenders now. So that's, I, I think that that's what, what we're struggling with is more the long-term outlook, at least when I say long-term, the rest of 2021 is kind of my long-term outlook. All right. That being said, we're going to get to the box score in just a second. I want to, I want to pin up a couple of tweets from our friend, Ben Baby, who has been on our program a couple of times from ESPN.com, a good friend of the show, great guy and a great Coverage guy for the Cincinnati Bengals on the uh, the beat here. This is now I'm going to pull up three tweets that he had. This is a little bit interesting in terms of how the Bengals got off to a sluggish start and all this kind of stuff. Some quotes here. All right. Bengals running back Joe Mixon said he slightly noticed a lack of energy early. Said the Chargers did a good job of taking away the run. Hmm. Okay. Now, what are we defining as early? Are we defining early as a sack fall? Are we talking about the fact that the, the stadium, you know, after there's a lot of public pleas from both those that that are employed by the Bengals as well as those who are, you know, you know, kind of the 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 big public fans, you know, are are, are good buddies of our show and, and you know the, out there saying, hey, let's pack the jungle, let's pack the jungle. Um, reported attendance of the game was 51,000. So not the, the, the jungle was not packed. Um, 
not really sure why that would be. I don't know if the Chargers were that big of a draw, and so there just wasn't a big away contingent. I don't know if the weather was kind of a factor or what have you, but Joe Mixon said they felt a little sluggish early, okay? Then you've got, here's Ben Baby again, T. Higgins corroborating that notion, saying in his post-game presser, uh, quote, I just felt like there was no energy at the beginning of the game. Hmm. Okay. Then you've got Joe Burrow kind of towing the company line a little bit more, um, saying he disagreed with T. Higgins, disagrees with Joe Mixon, that he didn't really feel that way about a lack of energy. Quote, I didn't feel that way. I thought in the first quarter everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And maybe that's what they're all referencing. But you also had something in the press game, uh, post game press conference, which was interesting, wherein Zach Taylor was taking responsibility for a lot of instances and a lot of communication issues that we saw in this game. He he took accountability for that insane sequence of event of events that occurred after the Bengals first touchdown, wherein they tried to go for two to make this. It was twenty four to nothing. The Bengals got in the end zone twenty four to six. They were going to try and go for two. I guess the mindset was going to be we're going to score three touchdowns and try and get three two-point conversions to tie this thing up. Okay, whatever. They go they go out there. Then it's it's timeout, it's penalty, then it's kick the extra point, and the extra point is missed, is the sequence of events. That in itself is a microcosm of what the day was about for the Cincinnati Bengals. And so Zach Taylor took, you know, took responsibility for all of that. You saw Joe Burrow pretty upset at that sequence of events. Also, and we're going to talk about some pivotal points in this game. You saw Joe Burrow pretty heated coming off the field when the Bengals had the ball before halftime, moving a little bit, a lack of urgency, a lack of communication to be able, they didn't have any timeouts, but a lack of just, you know, organization on that side of the ball to be able to move in there and maybe get maybe squeak in a long field goal attempt or what have you. It was a pretty it was a pretty big disaster right before halftime and that was the big point of the game or one of the big points in the game because the Bengals wanted to try and get points before halftime and then they were getting the ball right after halftime and we've talked on this show a number of times as to how that was critical a, a critical formula to their success particularly early in the season where they scored before halftime and scored coming out of the gates after halftime and that's what they were trying to do to get back in this game and there was an issue again before halftime communication organization all of that so the the you know, the, the thing is here is that there were a lot of opportunities that the Bengals could have made this a better game, could have maybe even won this game, but they, they shot themselves in the foot and credit to the credit to the chargers because early they came out, they came out strong. They were winging the ball around the field. They were making plays. They were winning those 50, 50 jump balls and whatnot with their big wide receivers. Um, I mean, they, they were not, shy about coming into Cincinnati and playing a team that was also in the playoff hunt. And they were not shy about coming in there and making plays. We knew today that Justin Herbert and hit that offense was going to make, we're, we're going to make plays today. We knew it. We knew it. That we, they were going to put up points. They were going to make plays. They were going to get the deep ball here and there. We knew it. It was just about ma- maintaining composure, not shooting yourselves in the foot in the form of turnovers. And Oh, by the way, the Bengals who were the least penalized team going into this game, just had penalty after penalty after penalty, and that 
is a big area wherein the Bengals miss Riley Reef. They miss Trey Hopkins. If you've tuned into this show a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how the offensive lines play maybe on paper or PFF scores has been marginally better, but wherein they where they are really, really improving is the lack of penalties and drive killing penalties. Well, unfortunately, that that came to bite them today. And uh, there were a lot more penalties than we are accustomed to today. All right. We're going to get to the box score, some stats, sights, sounds, etc. Wanted to make sure I give some thoughts as well as some insight on some things and share some thoughts uh, with, with you all in terms of the, the postgame presser and all that kind of stuff. Before we get to the box score, I want to tell all of you about Symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L, and the website, symbol.com slash OBI. And if you've listened to this show for any period of time, you know about Symbol because it is a great product and a great platform wherein you can go and invest your money and make some money off teams either that you're passionate about or teams that you see a, a maybe even a short-term investment, a long-term investment, what have you. You can go in there and you can invest in teams, whether you have zero ties to them or you're all in emotionally tied to them. You can do that. Symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot com slash O-B-I is the website. You got to go there. Check out their platform. They are so confident that you will be successful in their platform that they have a 90-day money-back guarantee, and that guarantee protects up to $500 of your money that you invest, but you got to use the promo code OBI, of course, short for Orange and Black Insider. You go there, and you can be successful. And hey, even if for some reason in the small chance you are not, they are protecting up to $500 of your money for up to 90 days as you go around and learn about their platform and, and what they're all about kind of tinker around in there they're, they're, that's how confident they are that you're going to be successful in their in their platform so go check out symbol symbol.com backslash obi use the promo code obi get started and and take advantage of that money back guarantee that they are offering our listeners so uh, happy to be partnering with symbol once again another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. Uh, of course. After losses, after wins, um, people are saying, uh, you know, you're too pessimistic, you're too optimistic, uh, there's there's never a right take, so um, I'm just giving you my thoughts. So if I'm too pessimistic, fine, I've been accused of that before with the Cincinnati Bengals. If I'm being too optimistic, that's fine too. I try and be as objective as possible, and uh, I just try and give you an entertaining show. So uh, if I'm too pessimistic for you, I apologize. If I'm too optimistic for you, I guess I apologize as well, but uh, look. This from week to week, we don't really know what we're getting with this team, right? I mean, it's kind of like, oh, and, and with the weird thing with it too is the wins for the Bengals seem to be super lopsided, and so do the losses. It's it's really, really a crazy emotional swing that's that's occurring with this team and, and its fan base. I mean, it's uh, it's hard to explain, and sometimes today, even the plays today, 
I sat there and I go, what did I just watch? What was that play? And I think the play, let's let's talk about a couple of plays that were in, in moments in the game that were absolutely critical. And I think everybody is going to point to at the end or, or, you know, later in the game when the Bengals had it made it a two point game, they kept getting the ball back for their offense. And Hey, what do you know? They're, they're in good shape. And the Joe Mixon fumble that gets recovered for a touchdown, obviously a gigantic moment in which the Bengals never recovered from that one. Of course, of course I get it. I, I, I totally understand. Okay. So that's a big play. Okay. Chargers go up early. Oh, by the way, they miss an extra point. Bengals miss an extra point later in the game too. But here's the deal. The sack fumble leads to a field goal. All of a sudden you're down 10-0. By the way, does that sound familiar at all? Go back to last week when the Bengals hosted the Steelers. They go down and score. Right away they force a turnover and they get a field goal. All of a sudden 10-0, right? Uh, this was 9-0 because of the missed extra point. But you get the, you get what I'm saying here. Um, so then the, the interception, this to me, because of all the wacky plays and all the different things that happen in this game, we're, we're not talking about this one as much. This was a 14 point swing. No, it was not a pick six, but it was a deep ball that was thrown on a dime to Jamar chase Somehow Chase, I think, takes his eyes off the ball. I'd have to go back and look, but bobbles the ball, and Davis is Johnny on the spot coming up with it. Chase catches that ball. He is striding into the end zone for six. So that is a 14-point swing right there, and why I say that is because the Chargers take that and move methodically down the field for a touchdown. What would and should have been a touchdown for the Cincinnati Bengals turns into a bobbled interception and then a subsequent long drive touchdown by the Chargers. Key, key play. Key play right there. Then you've got, uh, again, you, you go back to uh, one of the areas we talked about when the Bengals ended up finally scoring. This was this drive right here to make it 24 to 6. The, the debacle. That was the two-point conversion. Now you're talking about anywhere from one to two points. Grand scheme of things, not a big deal. But when you're talking about just the overall communication issue, the organization issue on offense, um, you know, that's the, it was kind of a, a stepping stone into bigger issues, I, I would say. So that's this drive right here. We don't need to go through all of that. And then, of course, I mentioned this one, your end of half sequence where the Bengals are moving a little bit, right? They're at their own 12, so not, not great. Five yards, seven yards. They get a first down, incomplete. Then you get the ball. You've got a minute left here. You go 17 yards to uh, to, to P. Ryan there. Um, and then here you go. They're, they're Somehow you go from having the ball for 43 seconds, a short middle pass for no gain, and the ball isn't snapped again until 19 seconds. Um, and then, you know, it's, so it was just totally disorganized. And then at that point, after, after this short left pass to Samaj P Ryan, the Bengals just kind of said, ah, screw it. We're, we're going, this is, this is just totally disorganized. And so, you know, they're at the 41, they're at their own 41 yard line, but when you're getting a, you know, a 17 yard play by P Ryan, you got it one first down here. You're kind of feeling like, Hey, maybe we can get into deep Evan McPherson territory, get a last second field goal here 
come back out at halftime and all of a sudden you know you you start the quarter again with you know third quarter with a field goal you're you're feeling a little different so it's though it's those kinds of things that really really pop up and really have have an effect on what's going on now obviously again the fumble by Mixon he hasn't fumbled in 300 plus touches loses the fumble goes for goes for a touchdown whatever that's a big play, obviously. Bengals never covered on that, of course. So, yes, of course, that's a big play. But uh, there are other kind of smaller moments that lead to bigger moments. And I think that that is one of the ta- takeaways to what's what, what we witnessed today. Yes, AWOL here on the YouTube channel says defense kept us in it. I, despite the score, the score did not indicate what was going on here because the Bengals had four turnovers on offense. Uh, and one of those turnovers led to a touchdown by the opposing defense. So that's not a defensive touchdown that was let up. Then you're talking about losing Awuzie, losing Wilson, losing Marcus Bailey. I, I mean, yes. And congratulations to Trey Hendrickson to um, getting that sack streak. Uh, I believe it's up to eight games now, which is a, a team record. So good for him. He has been an immense pickup. The Bengals sacked Justin Herbert a lot today. They were getting pressure. They were doing a lot of different things. Mike Hilton with another big play. They forced two fumbles of Austin Eckler, a crazy interception by Chidobia Wuzier. So they forced three turnovers. Um, that's, that's uh, yeah, and Jermaine Huff. Can't be mad at Joe Mixon. He rarely fumbles. I, I, yeah, I mean, when, when you're going 300, I think it was 337 or something. I mean, just a crazy amount of touches without fumbling the football or having a lost fumble, I guess I should say. Yeah, I mean, but when you fumble and it causes it's a it's a fumble return for touchdown, it's a big play. The point is there are other big plays. The Bengals, you can't throw a red zone interception. You can't have a sack fumble that that turns into points. You can I mean, there are you can't have a touchdown go through your star wide receiver's hands, bobble and turn into an interception. These are the things that you just can't have. And unfortunately, the Bengals hit almost the, the bingo card of all of these different issues, really. Um, but uh, yeah, Brady Brady McCatherine says the, the box score won't show up at the defense at the backs against the wall. Yeah, short fields, all kinds of different stuff. All kinds of different stuff. Um, let's go to quickly the box score. We're going a little long. I'm I'm uh, I'm going on I'm going on a rant a little bit here. And before we go. Uh, in the box score, before we focus in on some of the individual stats, I want to kind of show you something with just a, it's a general, it's the most general box score kind of graphic. You could see, if you look here, this is courtesy of ESPN.com. If you could see where my cursor is, where it just shows quarter by quarter score, right? 16 to nothing in the, in the first quarter, the Bengals score 13 in the second quarter, and then nine more in the third quarter, allowing only eight points from the second quarter and and through the third quarter. Essentially, you had a 24-0 run by the Chargers, a 22-0 run by the Bengals, and then a, as you look at the fourth quarter, a 17-0 run by the Chargers. So a lot of just feast or famine, feast or famine by, by both teams. And a lot of turnovers, a lot of big momentum swings in this game. And uh, really both teams... They took advantage of some of the momentum swings and then they didn't also. So, I mean, 
take that for what you will. Here's Justin Herbert, 26 of 35, 317 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, four sacks. Bengals had four sacks on him, had a 118.4 quarterback rating, one of his better games of the season there. Joe Burrow, 24 of 40, unfortunately throwing 40 passes with the dislocated pinky. 300-yard passing game for Joe Burrow, but did not emulate the same kind of success that the Bengals had when he wasn't throwing as much and when they relied on Joe Mixon. Did not emulate the same team success. One touchdown, two interceptions. Really, that should have been flipped, like I said, with that chase play. That should have been flipped. Two touchdowns, one interception should have been the, the stat line there. Unfortunately, it was not six sacks, though, folks. Six sacks. Some of that is on Joe Burrow. Some of that is on being behind the, the eight ball score-wise and you're, you're in predictable pass situations. And others of it was the fact that you're missing two offensive line starters. Um, you know, six sacks, though. Way too many hits on Joe, Joe Burrow. Only a 70.8 rating by Burrow. Mixon, you thought this was going to be a career day for him. Only 50, 54 yards on 19 carries. Did have the touchdown. Uh, P. Ryan had 36 yards on five carries. Nice day for him. So, uh, and, and Higgins having a career day here. Nine catches, 138 yards and a touchdown. Boyd having kind of a pretty pretty nice game here. A couple of really nice catches by Boyd. Five catches, 85 yards on seven targets. Chase did have five catches for 52 yards uh, on eight targets there. Of course, the, the big bobble, that was the interception. Uh, Uzama got in the mix a little bit, three catches, 20 yards. So you look on the other side of things, though, Mike Williams, he has become a Bengals killer, just kind of whoever is playing quarterback. You go back last year with Tyrod Taylor, Herbert this year, there's been years past where Mike Williams has just made big plays against the Bengals, five catches, 110 yards, a 22-yard per catch average. Uh, and then you've got Jalen Guyton, four catches, 90 yards, including a touchdown, wherein it, I, I think it was Bates that had to fly across the screen there to try and jar it loose on kind of what ended up being a little bit of a jump ball situation. But Bates had to kind of cover a lot of ground there. It looked like I'd have to go back and check the film to, to make sure that was the case. But uh, yeah, he was... He was there, and uh, unfortunately, Guyton came down with that. Eckler, a, a factor in the passing game, but two fumbles by Eckler. Five catches, 45 yards for him, uh, and then not much else You know, the rest of the way there. Here we go. Uh, Jermaine Pratt playing pretty well since the bye week. Did recover a fumble, um, so that that's a you know, pretty solid pretty solid day from, from him. Uh, was just in there. I think he also forced one along with Vernon Hargreaves. Uh, so he, you know, he was in there. So, but Mixon loses one burrow, um, lost one and, uh, just kind of an ugly day from a turnover perspective. You see the two lost fumbles from Eckler there, Mike Hilton all over the place today, including a forced fumble from him and a pass defended nine total tackles. Uh, Joe, Joe Bocci, who had to come in and play for Logan Wilson, had nine total tackles. Pratt, nine total tackles. Bates, six total tackles and a tackle for loss. Von Bell did get beat on one play across the middle, um, but six total tackles for him, a sack and a tackle for loss. B.J. Hill and Sam Hubbard combined for a sack, had five total tackles apiece. Uh, Hendrickson had the sack and four total tackles, two quarterback hits. Look at all the quarterback hits here by the Bengals. Uh, two, four, six, eight, uh, 10 total quarterbacks, hit, quarterback hits by the Bengals, along with four sacks. Unfortunately, you look at six sacks for the Chargers and 11 quarterback hits on Joe Burrow. They're not great news. And then you, you see 
Kaiser White and Drew Tranquil, your leading tacklers for the Chargers in a, in a slew of sacks. Uh, two sacks for Nwosu, um, former USC boy there, uh, Uchenna Nwosu, versatile player there. So they've, uh, and Christian Covington, old friend, was in there, old Bengals friend, was in there with two total tackles. But uh, I mean, the defense really kind of kept the, the game at least manageable at certain points and, and really had the Bengals in it at 24 22. And then, you know, the Chargers kind of took advantage of turnovers and other kind of situations and uh, ran away with it at the end there. So, unfortunately, that's a little bit of the tail of the tape with the box score. And we'll get to some team stats here in just a second as well. Um, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of, um, you know, different comments about defense and all kinds of different things. Uh, uh, let's see here. Let's go to the team stats, man. Um, it, it, this might surprise you a little bit. Some of the things that you see here in certain in terms of the team stats, if you have not seen what this uh, looks like here. So here again is ESPN.com with the team stats uh, first downs in total, the Bengals had more first downs. Um, they had more passing first downs and uh, by one um, and uh, one more rushing first down and then one more first down from penalties. Uh, Bengals were six of 12 on third downs. Defensively, look at this one. Four of 13 were the Chargers on, on third down. So defensively, the Bengals were getting off the field. Um, it's just kind of those big swing momentum plays and the four turnovers by the offense that just ended up killing the team fourth down efficiency. Chargers were one of one, Bengals were 0 of one. And of course, that one of one by the Chargers was the one at the beginning of the game. The Bengals defense held strong at the beginning of the game. What what would have happened if if Brandon Staley decided to go for a field goal at that point instead of the touchdown? What would have happened? Uh how much momentum would that have? given the chargers as opposed to the touchdown on fourth down to Keenan Allen. So, um, you know, that's, uh, something to think about, but yeah, that was their, their lone fourth down play and conversion was a touchdown uh, on the opening drive there. You look at the total plays Bengals had 10 more total plays pretty even in terms of total yards. Bengals had two more draw offensive drives yards per play. I mean, not a huge disparity there, not a huge disparity in passing. We talked about the sacks, Rushing, the Bengals actually had more rushing yards than the Chargers. Uh, and then look at here, though, I'd have to go back and look, but I, I, this has to be one of, if not their highest penalty total of the year for the Bengals. There's seven penalties for 63 yards, just a continuous shooting of themselves in the foot. In the same vein as turnovers, I mean, they forced three. They gave it away four times. So when you give give the ball away four times and you got seven penalties, that's not a good formula. Really not a good formula. Uh, Bengals ended up barely eking out the time of possession as well. So that's some of the stuff in terms of tail of the tape with the Bengals and whatnot. Where do we go from here? Well, uh, there's still, as we record today and this, this afternoon slash evening, there's still a lot of things to be playing out here. Before I took the air, uh, about 40 minutes ago, we had the Steelers and the Ravens facing off. I believe that was when I took the air was seven, nothing, um, seven, nothing Ravens Steelers may have been driving there. So I, I do need to get a score update on that. Uh, if any of you listening live want to give me a score update because I'm 
juggling a lot of different things. That would be great. I'm trying to pull up the playoff picture, at least updated as of the results of the early games on Sunday. Um, how I saw it from a graphic earlier was that the Bengals still were clinging to the final wild card spot. Um, as it currently stands, you see the Ravens are atop the AFC on the left-hand side, the NFC on the right-hand side. Uh, so they are eight and three, but fighting against the Steelers at this moment in time, the Patriots, uh, they are eight and four. They take on the bills, an important game for playoff purposes. There, uh, Titans eight and four chiefs seven and four. They take on the Broncos. Uh, the bills are the fifth seed. Here you go. You've got the chargers here. They basically a swap, uh, well, I'm sorry, the Bengals were at the five seed, and now they're at the seven seed, so they fall two spots. The Bills move up one, and the Chargers move up one. So the Bengals currently still holding on to the final wild card spot at seven and five, thanks to a strong divisional record, but uh, three and one to be exact. But they need to they need to start winning some games here, and and we'll talk about maybe formulas. I, you know, I, I won't go into too much detail here in terms of formulas, but I've got a couple of ideas as to what the Bengals need to do here. You got the Raiders on the bubble. The Bengals already beat them. You've got the Broncos on the bubble. The Bengals face them soon. Uh, the Colts hanging on for dear life. The Bengals face the Browns to finish the season. They are hanging on at, with the 11th seed. The Steelers not really a factor unless they start winning, 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 but um, not really a factor as it pertains to the Bengals because they have two wins against them. So really it's more about these teams kind of nipping at their heels a little bit and this scrum here with these seven and eight win teams up here. And then, of course, NFC side, you've got the Cardinals. Um, they are atop the league at 10 and two. Really cool picture by the Arizona Cardinals uh, Twitter account, by the way. There was a really cool picture with A.J. Green and Andy Dalton. A little bit of a trip because they're both wearing different uniforms than that of the Bengals. But really cool picture of both of them after the game So today. So uh, go check that out there. Green Bay Packers, nine and three. They are the two seed on a bye. The Buccaneers, um, they are nine and three, first in the NFC South. You've got the Cowboys here uh, at the, is the fourth seed, Rams, Niners, who the Bengals play uh, next week. And then you've got the Eagles as the seventh seed. Here's the deal. What do the Bengals need to do? You need to at least, at least, at least have nine wins. You would prefer to have 10 to be able to get into the playoffs. So that would require the Bengals to potentially win two or three of the remaining five games. If they get in with nine wins, you need to beat. You, you basically, if, if you get the two wins, I would assume my assumption is those two wins have to come against Baltimore and Cleveland. That's, that's my assumption here. Um, maybe the Chiefs because they're also a seven win team. Maybe you can throw the chiefs in that mix in terms of one of two teams you can beat. Um, but I think to be safe, if you beat the, the Browns and you beat the Ravens um, and you're nine, you got nine wins there. Um, that should, that should maybe be enough uh, to, to get you going. But I think if you beat, if you beat the chiefs, the Browns and the Ravens and you get 10 wins and you are there at uh, at 10 and seven, that should get you in into wild card spot. That's that's what I'm thinking. But I think if bare minimum is two wins and you would need to have those against division and or the the, the Niners, you got to have them against definitely conference teams, maybe even division teams. The Niners game, you know, I know 
for a lot of reasons, a lot of fans and whatnot would like to have that game. You got to start collecting wins anyway. But right now it's really about division wins. It's about conference wins. It's about wins in general, but you got to You got to beat AFC teams and AFC North teams um, going forward here. So that's why today was kind of a pivotal game. Uh, both teams have the, the the same record do the Chargers and the Bengals. So what's going to be heartbreaking should it come to this is if there is a scenario wherein they're fighting for the seventh seed and they have the same record, the Chargers would be in because they beat the Bengals head to head today. That's why today was a was a biggie for a lot of different reasons. But at any rate, that's the Bengals have five games left. You've got the 49ers. You've got the Ravens. I, I think I've got this in somewhat relative order. Um, not Don't quote me on it, though. But basically, the 49ers, the Ravens, the Chiefs, uh, the Broncos, and the Browns. Those are the teams you've got left. And the good news is the Bengals are, you know, they have to go to Cleveland. Um, so that's the, to end the year, that's not good, but they host the Baltimore Ravens. They host the 49ers. They do go to Denver. Um, so, so that's not great, but, uh, I mean, they're, they're at home here for, for a couple of these games. They host the chiefs as well. So, uh, three of the next five games will be at Paul Brown stadium. Two are on the road. We'll see what happens. That is the post-game wrap-up show from the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I'm Anthony Cazenza. Hopefully you found this not only informative, but entertaining. Um, I, you know, again, I, I don't I don't really know what to make of what I saw from today other than the Bengals are the embodiment not only of a, a young team and a developing team that has talent, um, they are really the embodiment of a lot of teams in the AFC in general pretty good for a couple of weeks, pretty good for a game or two, and then trip over your own two feet. And that's, uh, that's a little bit indicative of not only, it's not just the Cincinnati Bengals who've been playing this way, folks, the team that beat them today, they have been the epitome of inconsistency, the Los Angeles chargers, the chiefs, they were really, really inconsistent at the beginning of the year. They're starting to figure things out now, which is a little scary. The San Francisco 49ers, a little bit similar to the Chiefs. Really not that great to begin the year, and now they're a little healthier figuring things out. Denver Broncos, middle-of-the-road team. So there are winnable games on this schedule. Denver seems pretty winnable. I know the Bengals never have matched up well recently against Cleveland, but that is a pretty winnable game even in Cleveland. They've shown that they could beat Baltimore and beat them handily. They get them at home. Um, so, uh, you know, this was, a, this was a tough one today for a lot of different reasons. I am, again, I'm not so much worried based on what we've seen from week to week and even from this team being able to group together a couple of nice wins in a row and that sort of thing. What I'm worried about are the injuries that were sustained today. And what I'm worried about is how this team, should they get another couple of wins, couple of wins, maybe they get into the postseason. How will they handle that success as a young team? How will they be able to handle that? Because there have been a couple of nice runs this year. And after they get a little bit of national media love, they kind of fall on their face. And so they need to, they need to start figuring things out, gaining a little consistency, getting back to what was successful for them coming out of the bye and go from there and go from there. Uh, yeah, Ross, Ross here, the lions won the lions won. Yeah. You know, I felt so bad for them. I felt so bad for them. And, uh, you know, I feel bad that it comes at the hands of Mike Zimmer today, but the lions did win. I kept a little eye 
on the periphery there. To, I was like, oh man, I just hope I, I didn't want to come against Zim, but I was like, oh man, I hope they won. Anyway, Lions did win. Thanks everybody for tuning in again. You can get this show and the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel on your favorite audio streamer, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Subscribe, leave a review. Whether it's for our show or just the new black from Ace and Zim or Coach Speak and Chalk Talk from Coach Matt Minnick, uh, we appreciate all the support and hopefully you like all the different programs that we are bringing you on the podcast channel. And if you like specifically what we are doing on this show, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are also close to 5,000 subscribers. I think we're going to probably do a giveaway at 5,000. So tell your friends, tell your Bengals friends, subscribe to our YouTube channel and uh, come hang out with us, whether it's a live show, whether it's a a recorded show and you, you catch it after the fact, what have you, we have fun and we love interacting with our listeners. Try and have a great rest of your week. Enjoy the rest of your football Sunday, football Monday. We're, we're creeping closer to the all, all of the holidays that are currently occurring or occurring later this month. And then, of course, the new year. So hopefully the Bengals ring it in with a playoff berth. Tough one today. Bengals lose to the Chargers at home. They try and rebound the next couple of weeks here. And hopefully they heal up physically because there are a lot of injuries that were accrued today by the Bengals. Thanks, everybody. Again. Have a good rest of your Sunday. Have a good rest of your week. And we will be talking to you soon, whether it's the Happening Headlines, our Wednesday deep dive analysis show, fantasy football talk, listener questions live, post-game analysis. We got you covered. Take it easy.